Welcome to the Teaching Journeys podcast with Dave Roberts. A unique skill all humans have is the ability to share information across generations. And the Teaching Journeys podcast does just that. It creates learning opportunities with each amazing guest with a goal that each episode makes a positive impact on people worldwide. Before we hear from today's guest, please share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues, and don't forget to leave a rating, review, or both. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. I'm your host, Dave Roberts, and today it is my pleasure to have as my guest, Becky Austell Clausen. I'm going to read a little bit of a bio on Becky, and then we're going to just get right down to it. Becky Austell Clausen, or Rebecca Austell Clausen, is an occupational therapist. She's a Reiki master award-winning author, and inspirational speaker. She has extensive experience in Reiki, after-death communication, shamanism, meditation, sound healing, and automatic writing. After 20 years, Rebecca finally gained the courage to share her journey, sold her large rehabilitation private practice, and her award-winning book, Changemaker, How My Brother's Death Woke Up My Life, was published by She Writes Press. Becky is teaching Reiki for the third year in a row at the upcoming International Association for Near-Death Studies Annual Conference in Arlington, Virginia. Five minutes from Washington, D.C. on Wednesday, August 30th, in person. She has taught Reiki at every in-person American Occupational Therapy Association Annual Conference since 2015. She teaches one-day Reiki certificate classes for medical professionals and all others at numerous universities and conferences nationwide. And Becky also wrote the afterword to mine and Patty Farino's book, When the Psychology Professor Met the Minister. She's been a, a great supporter of, of our book. She's been a great supporter of, of, of me and Patty personally. And she's turned out to be, be a great friend and colleague. And Becky, welcome to the Teaching Journeys podcast. Oh, Dave, it is such a pleasure. I am grinning from the inside out. It is awesome being with you, and thank you for that lovely introduction. You're welcome. And what I didn't mention is the fact that Becky is a Red Sox fan, and I'm a Yankees <laughs> fan. So this is probably the first time we're going to have a Yankees fan, and I'm a, I'm a long-suffering Yankees fan, particularly this year, and a Red Sox fan in the same room at the same time. Well, we do know the Red Sox are better than the Yankees, but, you know, that's life. Good. And you understand that I have total editing power over this podcast. <laughs> we'll see if you edit that out. <laughs> oh, no, I, you kidding me? I wouldn't edit that out at all because it is the truth. The Red Sox are better than the Yankees, especially this year or so. And, and as, as a longstanding Yankee fan, that is painful for me to say. But, but it is the truth. So thank you for acknowledging that. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Hey, Becky and I have also collaborated on a, on a couple of different uh, different projects, and we met actually through a mutual occupational therapy faculty member at Utica University. Linnea had emailed me and said, you know, you ought to check out Becky's website. And I looked and I said, wow, this is pretty cool, you know, especially with the piece about after-death communication. It was about at the time, I think, that you published your book. Yes. And I emailed you, and I kind of figured, I looked at her schedule, and I said, my Lord, if I get a response in a week, I'd be happy just because your your schedule was so full. You got back to me within the next day 
And I know you would express surprise because you were expecting somebody from OT to reach out to you about another project. And there you have this adjunct professor of psychology, child life, reaching out to you. But it's, but it was destined to happen that way. And I'm so glad our paths have crossed. Me too. It was absolutely fantastic. And gosh, it is so fun to be here with you again today. So thank you, Dave. You are totally awesome. And so are you, Becky. So, all right. I guess I have a list of questions. I always have questions, but I got a list, list of questions specifically for, for this uh, episode. We're going to talk about the science of Reiki. Um, but before we get into that, Please tell our listeners about the event or events in your life that have influenced your current life path. You know, Dave, thank you so much. It is a massive pleasure to to talk with you and your listeners and to share what happened with me. I'm a science-based occupational therapist, and when the event happened that I'm going to share, I had absolutely no psychic or spiritual awareness, and what happened was... In 1994, five, sorry, in 1995, my 37-year-old brother, David, passed of AIDS. And for those of you that may be a little older, you might remember the time in the 1990s when thousands and thousands and thousands of people were dying of AIDS. And my brother passed, and he was considered a long-term survivor. He had it for seven years. I couldn't understand it, Dave. I, I believe everything in life is positive. I could find absolutely nothing positive about the fact that my 37-year-old brother had passed. So there was a variety of things that happened during that time. But six weeks after he passed, I was riding my horse through a Christmas tree farm and received the best present of my life. Now, my heart was very closed with grief for that, you know, that time. And you know, when you're just filled with grief, you can't feel anything except for the grief. And you know that because you're an expert with grief and counseling and psychology of grief and all of that. But it was a beautiful day. And my brother passed on October 1st. This was the middle of November. And we had just had our first frost. I was riding my horse, Astra, that actually means star, interestingly enough. I was riding Astra through these beautiful woods and the sun was shining, rainbows were sparkling, icicles were hanging from the trees. And I opened my heart. I opened my heart just a little bit and said, thank you, universe, for a beautiful day. And I closed my eyes. And there was my brother. I had never, ever seen, experienced, read, heard anything like this before, but it was real. And he was wearing a black and red plaid flannel shirt, dungarees and sandals. And I had never done this before. So I started to talk with him. And within about one second, Dave, about one second, I realized I could just sheer thought. He was great. I was great. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm with my brother again. And I looked to the right and there were my grandparents, Abe and Bessie Dole from Wellesley, Massachusetts. And they had both passed about 10 years before, holding hands like they always did. Beside them, beside them was Edward, one of David's best friends, a childhood friend who we all knew. And he had passed about six months before. Beside Edward was my friend Holly. And Holly had passed in a motor vehicle accident about 20 years ago. And then there were about two dozen other people that I knew that had passed on the hill. And I looked at all of them and I thought, oh my gosh, here they are. And I looked back at David and behind David was a golden arch. Now, it was not McDonald's. <laughs> it was not McDonald's, but... 
I had been reading some books about the afterlife before David passed. And I had read a book that said, if you ever encounter a, a door, feel free to go through as long as you feel comfortable. And so I looked to David thinking he was going to take me through this golden colored arch. And instead, my four foot ten grandmother takes me by the hand and we skip through this arch. And on the other side of the arch was a brilliantly colored fuchsia colored land. Now, my husband and I, Jeff and Jeff, my husband and myself, we have two sons, and now they're in their mid-30s. They're awesome. One's named Kenny and one's named Ryan. And they say to me, Mom, do not say it's fuchsia-colored land. Now, as you can imagine, they've heard this story a few times. And I'm like, well, why can't I say it's fuchsia? And they said, it sounds like you're high, sounds like you're tripping, sounds like you're drunk, sounds like you're loaded. Just don't say it's fuchsia. It really and truly was fuchsia. And on in the, this fuchsia-colored land, I heard my grandfather, it was my dad's father, so it was my paternal grandfather. The other grandparents that I had seen were my mom's parents. Gramps had passed about 15 years ago, so I didn't see him, but I heard him. And what he said is, get over here. And he takes me by the hand and we fly through this fuchsia-colored land, having a blast, reminiscing, enjoying being together, sharing thoughts. And all of a sudden, my horse starts to move. And I said to Gramps, Gramps, I need to go back. We do this U-turn right in the middle of this fuchsia-colored land. I immediately come to the golden-colored arch. I fly through the golden-colored arch, land in front of my brother David. The horse is still moving. And you know what happened? I said to David, David, I need to go back. And everyone, everyone that was there, my grandparents, Edward, Holly, these two dozen other people, including David, all said at the exact same time, we will always be here. We'll always be here. And so let me just explain a little bit more what happened and then you know we can go on. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I pulled up the reins and I thought, what? What just happened to me? And so this is 1995, and there was really not the internet for me to search. I didn't know what had happened, but it felt great. And my brother was alive, and it was the first time I believed life was eternal. So I went to the library, and I was walking up and down the corridors, and I guess what I thought is the book that was going to explain everything to me would fall off the shelf and land on the floor, and that didn't happen. So I went to the uh, health food store and I was looking at the, the bulletin board and thinking something would resonate and nothing resonated. And I'm the type of person that makes things happen. I don't usually ask for assistance, but at that point, I said, please send me a teacher. And so a couple of weeks later, a friend of mine, Dr. Amy Carroll, who's an occupational therapist, and she was on my staff at the time. She um, came in and said, how are you doing? And I didn't say anything about what had happened to me. I just kept that pretty quiet. And I said, well, you know, it's really rough. And she said, I met someone that I think you'd like. And I said, who's that? And she said, I met a shaman. Now, I didn't really know what a shaman was. And if there was a shaman, I thought maybe they lived in Brazil or Peru. But she was saying she met a shaman in Reading, Pennsylvania, which is about 50 minutes from where I live. And her name was Nancy Ariel. And I'm like, really? And she says, Becky, she talks to people that have passed on. And I thought, okay. 
And so I ended up apprenticing with Nancy for three to six hours a week for a year. And that was a life-changing event. And subsequently, I've talked to my brother over a thousand times, learned how to communicate with all sorts of spirits, learned Reiki. I mean, it's been life-changing and a total blast. Yeah, I, I, that was quite the experience as you were recalling that. I remember it was right, right in the, almost the beginning of your book that you yes. recounted that experience. And one of the things that came to mind when you were telling your, your, your story about how you explored the world of after-death communication without any prior psychic ability was the work of Brian Weiss and Salt Contract. Yeah. That was the first thing that came into, into my head in that, in that this, to me, if this were my experience, I would think that with my brother David and I had the Salt Contract where he was going to show me that life is eternal, love is eternal, and that his transition would be the event that would trigger you into really getting into integrative medicine on a variety of different levels. You know, the sec- I agree. The second thing was, had this had happened at David's bedside, that also really had a lot of similarity to, to shared death experiences that Raymond Moody has talked about. So I was thinking of soul contracts and shared death experiences in terms of both, you know, both of those events, phenomenon, that, that kind of were coming into play as, as you told your story. Well, you know, Dave, I totally agree. And it's really quite interesting that David, I do believe that David and I had this soul contract. And I think he got the, the hottest part of the deal because he had to live with AIDS for seven years. When he passed, it was, it was really quite an amazing experience. And it was only maybe three or four years ago that I realized that I did have a sheer death experience because when he passed, what happened was I was in the, he was in the hospital and he was expected to pass that night and I didn't want him to pass alone. And so I asked the hospital if I could stay overnight and it was a very good hospital in Boston. And they said, yes. And I woke up at three 30 in the morning and I didn't know anything about energy, but I could tell that David wasn't there. He was not there. And I thought, wow, well now what do I do? Because his body was still breathing, but he wasn't there. And I thought, well, I could go back to my parents, but he still seems to be alive. I just have a feeling he's not there. And so he had a couple of uh, quartz crystals in his room. And I didn't know anything about crystals at the time. But I took these two crystals. One was his and one was his friend's friend Edwards. Put him in my hand, moved a chair up. He was lying on his back and he was in a, in a coma. And I, I held on to his hand and put his hand in between my hand. And I had the crystals right there, closed my eyes. And I saw this amazing animal that I'd never seen before. It reminded me of a very fat porpoise, big jowls, big back. And it had the eyes of my brother. And I was looking at this beautiful, peaceful animal. And David's a Pisces and I'm a Pisces and my dad's a Pisces. So we love water. And all of a sudden, this animal very slowly started to swim towards me. And, and I felt very comfortable with it because it had my brother's eyes. I thought, oh, my gosh, my brother's soul somehow had transferred into this animal. And this animal came inside me, and I had a burst of joy and love and peace and awareness that my brother is going to continue to be alive. I had never experienced anything like this. 
And it was really quite, quite fascinating to, to understand years later, that was a sheer death experience. Yep. And, you know, energy is energy. I think we're all energy when we transition and we can resurface as any life form, whether it's a dolphin, whether it's a cardinal, and particularly if thoughts of our loved one are, are very present at the time that we see that, there's a connection for sure. You know, there's, yes. that, there's that kind of connection. So that's that. Yeah, you are, you are destined to embrace this path. It's, I agree. It's been amazing. It's been the most spectacular part of my life. And it doesn't negate, you know, family that I have now or anything, but holy mackerel, it, it turned my life upside down in a wonderful fashion. And it doesn't negate pain that we experience in certain times of their, their long physical absence. I mean, yes. it's been over 20 years since my daughter Janine transitioned, and there are days that I wish she were here. Oh, certainly. But at the same time, her passing and the challenges with her passing, her transition, have allowed me to embrace a purpose-driven life that is destined to help other individuals going through through challenges as it has with you. Yes. Um, and I said before, I wish there could have been another less traumatic event to help me embrace the life that I was I was meant to lead at this point. But you know, I didn't have any control over what happened. And perhaps it was part of my own soul contract with my daughter and my family that this was an event that I needed to experience for the greater good of my soul. And yes. I and Dave, you, you and Patty wrote the most beautiful book about your daughter and soul contracts and how this whole transition works. It's absolutely stunning. You've done an excellent job with that. Well, thank you, Becky. I appreciate it. And coming from you, I know you wouldn't say it if you didn't mean it. That's exactly correct. It's, I, I, and I, your ongoing support and your contribution to the book is always going to be forever remembered, or we're going to be forever grateful for, for what you did for us and continue to do so. Well, it's great. It's great fun. I'm sorry we've had both of us these challenges, but my gosh, it's been amazing to fully 100% believe that life continues forever. Yep. And I, that belief is firmly ingrained into the recesses of my brain. Yes. And governs everything. I governs a lot of what I do. So sure. So let's talk a little bit about Reiki. If you're if you're all set to do that. Oh sure. When when I spent time with Nancy Ariel, who who is this shaman that that is fantastic. She did pass a couple of years ago, but she used Reiki to take me on what's called shamanic journeys. And what Reiki is, is the concept that we all have energy. We have energy within us. We have energy around us. And it really was quite fascinating to be able to travel and to be able to access my own healing energy. A couple of, year, a couple of months after I had been apprenticing with Nancy, a friend of mine, Dr. Michael Peasy, who's an occupational therapist, and I, I use the word occupational therapist fairly frequently because I knew I was getting a little far out. Like, I'm like, this is 1995. I didn't know anybody that was doing anything like this, communicating with the dead or whatever. But the fact that, he, that Michael was an occupational therapist gave me a little bit of security. He was doing a state-of-the-art holistic conference. And at that conference was another occupational therapist, Anne Marie McClintock, who was teaching Reiki. And so I 
I, I took that Reiki class and you can learn Reiki. You can learn Reiki in one day, which is phenomenal. Like it just is almost unbelievable, but you can learn it in one day. And so I took Reiki level one with Ian Marie McClintock. And then about a month later, I took Reiki level two, where you learn long distance healing using your own natural healing energy. Because what happens with Reiki is that it raises our vibrational energy. So it makes it easier for us to communicate with our loved ones that are living beyond. And so that was, so I've been a Reiki practitioner for, gosh, I guess like 27 years, because that was 1996. And I started teaching it professionally at the American Occupational Therapy Association annual conference that had never been done before. That's been pretty cool. I teach it at universities. I mean, it's been a blast. National conferences. I've got a Reiki class coming up in a couple of weeks in Alexandria, Virginia at the International Association for Near-Death Studies. It's a very marvelous way to get in touch with our own energy to learn how to heal ourselves and clients, colleagues, friends, family, animals, and plants. That covers just about every form of life. Yes. Which is, which is cool. Very, very cool. Um, what is the empirical evidence that demonstrates the effectiveness of Reiki in improving physical and mental health outcomes. So I guess what I'm asking is, where does science and holistic practice meet? I knew you were going to ask that, and I have an excellent answer. And this answer, I'm quite thrilled to say, is fairly new, because before 2019, it was really pretty tricky to give you an exact answer about how effective Reiki is empirically. In, in 2019, there was a wonderful research study done, published in the Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine, which is a well-respected journal. And it's a, a article by Daya, D-Y-E-R, Baldwin and Rand. So it's Daya, Baldwin and Rand, Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine, 2019. You can get it online just by searching 2019 Reiki large-scale study Dyer, D-Y-E-R. And so anyway, what happened in this study is that there were 1,411 people that received one session of Reiki, just one session of Reiki all across the country in the United States. And they were, the Reiki sessions were done by 99 Reiki masters, all trained the same way by William Rand's organization. So you have these 1,411 people that received a single session of Reiki, statistically significant results were achieved in the reduction of pain, anxiety, stress, anxiety, uh, I might have said that twice, depression, and an increase in overall well-being. And I'm like, okay, that's the type of study I was looking for. And it's been really exciting because the way I teach Reiki is that I teach it both to medical professionals and non-medical professionals at the exact same time. And so whoever is able to, to go to my classes, whether they're in person or online, you do get the empirical evidence. That's the best one. But there are plenty of other statistical studies showing the effectiveness of Reiki. That study in and of itself is impressive, just with the large of the the size of the sample size. Yes. Um, and, you know, the uh, statistically significant findings that, that it improved outcomes in all of those areas of physical and mental health. So yes. I, I think it's, I think it's impressive. 
And so, how about Reiki and its ability to develop one's intuitive skills? Oh, yes. It, you know, it is pretty interesting. And I would say the, the empirical evidence for that is not as strong, but I can tell you time and time and time again for, about people that have expanded their ability to have intuitive experiences. It's expanded their ability to believe that we live forever, to accept seeing animals or numbers or letters or pictures that remind them of their loved ones that have passed on. It actually, Reiki really does allow us to expand our entire awareness of life and the afterlife. Most Reiki masters do not talk as much about this type of of, uh, Reiki service. I happen to think it's a total blast to realize and to share what happened with me and how it relates to Reiki, because Reiki absolutely, without a doubt, increases a person's ability to communicate with their loved ones that have passed on. And if you ask any Reiki master, anyone, I would be dumbstruck if they said they have not had any type of communication with spiritual entities, because it does happen. And whether these entities would be the uh, loved ones or spiritual beings that are around one of the clients that somebody's servicing or their own, it's really quite exciting. For me, it's so exciting to know that not only can we learn how to heal ourselves and others, but we can also communicate with our loved ones that are living beyond. It would be fascinating if somebody would come up with like even a correlational study where they gave somebody a session of Reiki and that did an EEG of their brain to see if there were any increase in brainwave activities. I think particularly alpha brainwave activities that could help individuals I think, enhance their intuitive ability. So, Oh, that's a good idea. And I encourage you to do that, Dave, because that would be great. Only if you do it with me. Oh, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Wouldn't that be a blast? You know, that'd be, that's, that would be a good way to do it. That would be really, really, really exciting. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it, would, it would be fun. Of course, neither one of us are, are doctors or you know, <laughs> brain surgeons. So I think if we tried to do an EEG without the, the proper... <laughs> Credentials, I think that they that might be a little unethical. I don't know. It might be a little disconcerting, right? That right, but still, it's a great thought. Yeah, I, yeah, I I would like to see that happen. So, if there's any scientists that are listening, anybody specifically with brain chemistry background, hey, go for go it. Go for it. You absolutely go for it. So, Reiki is like one of those health practices, holistic health practices that seem to integrate well with evidence-based health practices. I think just from the research you've quoted from our previous discussions that we've had, do you see integrative medicine as being the way of the future in healthcare? Oh, absolutely. In my opinion, integrative health is, is the gold standard of KEA. And one of, the, one of the really exciting benefits of this philosophy is a statement by the Joint Commission. And the Joint Commission is the largest accrediting body of, of essentially all medical programs, hospitals, skilled nursing facilities, assisted living, home health, et cetera. In 2018, January of 2018, the Joint Commission said that um, hospitals, due to the opioid epidemic, 
hospitals must have a non-pharmacological option to reduce pain. And that is absolutely the perfect way to bring in complementary health. And it's a mandate. And so that has been mandated by the Joint Commission for Joint Commission Hospitals since January 1st, 2018. There's been an update um, a couple of years ago that continued that mandate. And it said, we're not, the Joint Commission said, we're not going to tell you what complementary health modality, what service that is different than drugs that you can use to help reduce pain. But for example, relaxation therapy is suggested, et cetera, things like that. And so it's up to the hospital to decide what they're going to do. But it's the perfect place for Reiki because people use Reiki number one for reducing pain. And so the integration of complementary modalities with traditional allopathic care is absolutely, in my opinion, the gold standard. And gosh, it's something like something like 90% of the medical physicians being trained now receive some type of training in the integrative medicine approach, maybe even higher than 90%, but I'm quite sure it's at least 90%. And so it's, it's, it is the current wave and certainly the wave of the future, complementary medicine. It's absolutely terrific integrating with traditional allopathic care. And, and I think you, if you look at particular cultures too, that embrace complementary therapies, I think as evidence-based practitioners, we need to be aware of that. We need to be sensitive to that. And the other thing is, I also believe that the Joint Commission, as well as other accrediting organizations, have also mandated or require that spiritual assessment be done as a part of holistic treatment with clients. Oh, that's awesome. And that's something that I will talk to my students about, you know, next semester in that. It's, you know, to, to become familiar with complementary health therapies. They become familiar with different cultural, spiritual perspectives, religious, spiritual perspectives, because you're going to run into them. Even yes. if you may not believe in those perspectives, you need to be at least aware of that so that you can do individualized treatment. Yes. And I'm delighted to say that complementary modalities are considered a component of occupational therapy since 2005. Along with spirituality, spirituality has been recognized as a, a viable service within occupational therapy, gosh, as early as like the 1990s. And so it really is a wonderful meld to have my professional practice embracing what I've experienced on a personal level. I was tongue-tied for a minute. That, does, that, doesn't <laughs> that is happen. amazing. That doesn't usually happen to me. I, I think I must have been just so so just dazzled by your summation that I got me tongue-tied. Well, Dave, you are an unofficial OT. It is totally awesome. All what what you do relates so well to occupational therapy. It's a great match. All I have to do is just incorporate more yays to my vocabulary and I'm going to be fine. Absolutely, but you already do that anyway. Yes, I do. I do. And that's because of the influence of the... The, the OT, the academicians of the OD, OT department at Utica University. I, I, Absolutely. They're a, great, they're a great bunch. They're a great group of individuals. They do some great work. And it's just been fun being around them. So. It is. And it's, that's my alma mater. Yes. And it's so fun to go back. I won't say when I graduated because it was a long time ago. But it's so fun to go back. When, when I was there, it was a farm. And so now to have it, you know, really quite a, 
integrative city-based program with, with marvelous university support. It's great. Yeah, I know one of the OT, OT academicians, they do cranial sacral therapy. Yes. And they talk a lot about complementary health practices. And I think it's great because I think where Western medicine doesn't address or what Western medicine doesn't address or can't address, complementary therapies can. And I think, Absolutely. I think together they can address the physical and mental health needs of any individual. So, Absolutely. Well said. Perfect. I'm no longer tongue-tied. That's good. <laughs> so if anybody was interested in becoming a Reiki practitioner, what are the steps that they would need to take? Good question. You really want to trust whoever you're, whoever's going to teach you that. And you, and, and you think, well, how am I going to know? How am I going to know if this person's good? So I would encourage you to trust your heart. A lot of times we, we live with our mind, but with Reiki, you want to trust your heart as well. And so find somebody you like and you think, well, how am I going to do that? And so I encourage you to look up Reiki near me, R-E-I-K-I, Reiki near me. And, you know, if you wanted something in person, you'll find them. The International Association of Reiki Professionals has a, has a directory of Reiki practitioners. So it's I-A-R-P, International Association of Reiki Professionals. And you can look at that directory as well. And so the Reiki near me, Reiki professionals, or ask, ask your friends, hey, do you know a Reiki practitioner? I wasn't really sure if online therapy, online Reiki would work, but it does work. And I can tell you a couple of good stories about that. But I wanted to say, if you're ever interested in learning Reiki online, I encourage you to make sure that there's multiple experiential sessions. You don't just want to read a book or you don't just want to listen to somebody. You actually want to practice. And so, for example, like when I teach Reiki, we have three individual one-on-one Reiki sessions online and we use Zoom breakout rooms. And so there's just two people in each Zoom breakout room. And we do that with three different, three different times and three different partners. You don't have to do it exactly like that, but it does work and it is effective. And so, so that's my big recommendation is to make sure that there's a good experiential um, component to your Reiki training. And I think you're absolutely right. The energy of the Reiki practitioner, if we don't align with that energy, it's going to be a waste of probably time and money. Now there's three levels, correct? There's Reiki yes. one and Reiki two is when if they complete their certification for Reiki two, they can actually practice Reiki. Am I correct? Sure. But you can practice it with one. Oh. You, you can. What happens with Reiki 1 is you get what's called attuned, and so your Reiki energy gets activated. So you can practice right with that. Reiki 2, you, under, you learn, why does this work? And so it, it helps to align our brain with our heart and with what we're doing. You don't have to do that, though. You can just practice with one, but it is more effective if you practice with two. So you learn why it works is symbols, essentially Japanese letters that are used Miko Yasui was the one that, that discovered the, the Yasui form of Reiki. And so that happens. You learn about these symbols and you can actually understand why it works. And Reiki 2 is when you learn long distance healing. And so you learn that and that's all you really need. Reiki Master, the name cracks me up because, you know, it's Reiki Master. But essentially it's a, it's a third day of training. Some people require a lot more experience. My philosophy is that I always ask people to have at least six months of experience after receiving Reiki level two. 
And if they're going to become a Reiki master with me, they need to have a personal interview with me. But, you know, whatever, whatever approach works well with you. Reiki master means that you're an advanced clinician and or you really specialize in teaching. But yes, you absolutely can do Reiki with one day of training or with two two days of training if you have uh, Reiki level two. Sometimes it might be a couple of days more depending upon who the who the trainer is. Yeah, I know it varies in terms of requirements and various terms of cost, but the important thing is to align yourself with somebody with person's energy that you feel comfortable. Absolutely. That as you said, it's the best thing. That's the number one recommendation. You want to trust that person, align yourself with that energy so that you can so that you can learn and accept what you're what you're feeling, what you're experiencing. So, my last question, and you've given us already a lot of takeaways, you know, from your own journey that I think will resonate with our listeners. But now, if our listeners wanted to contact you, purchase your book, find out what you're doing, what you have going on, what's the best way to do so? How can I get in touch with you? Oh, sure. Email works excellently for me, and it's just my name. I do have a long name, and I do apologize. And hopefully, Dave, you can have my name someplace so that people can get it easier. But my email is Becky, B-E-C-K-Y, at, and then it's my name, Rebecca, R-E-B-E-C-C-A, Austell, A-U-S as in Stephen, T as in Tom, I-L-L, Clausen, C-L-A-U-S-E-N.com. And that's also my website. My website's RebeccaAustellClawson.com. And I have tons of resources, products, weekly quotes, uh, monthly newsletters, uh, just lots and lots of uh, references, resources, and such on after-death communication, on Reiki, on spirituality. And the book that I wrote, I I actually had a, a big rehabilitation practice, which I sold specifically because I wanted to get my book, which is called Changemaker. How My Brother's Death Woke Up My Life, published. And I I just wasn't sure that I wanted to put anybody's job at risk because it, it talks quite a bit about after-death communication. And so I wanted to just make sure it was up to the, the reader to s- decide whether it was real or not. And I did publish it with some trepidation, but, but quite frankly, it ended up receiving five national book awards, which I couldn't believe. I'm like, all right. And it wasn't an ego thing. It was like after death communication is hitting the mainstream. And so again, it's called Changemaker, How My Brother's Death Woke Up My Life. You can get it on Amazon and it's uh, been received very well. So, so that's, a, that's another way you can reach me as well. And for our listeners out there, book is fabulous. It's a great introduction into the world of after-death communication. Becky also provides really, really good activities, good exercises that can help individuals make their own connections if they so choose with their loved one. So go to her website, buy her book. And if you're a Yankees fan, harass her for (laughs) me. But anyway, with that, Becky, it was just so much fun. It's always fun when we get together. It is. It's a blast. Dave, you're a great interviewer. You're a great person. You're a great teacher. Thank you for your book. Thank you for all the wisdom you share with our world. It's absolutely fantastic. And thank you for having me here. I love talking with you. Well, I love talking with you. And we're going to have to do a part two at some point, too. (laughs) Um, But anyway, with that, that is a wrap on another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. 
I'm your host, Dave Roberts, wishing you peace. Thank you for listening to this episode. And please remember to share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues. And don't forget to leave a rating, review, or both.